The following message was given to the young adult group at the North Church. More information can be found at thenorthchurch.com slash young-adults. There are two questions that uh, I ask myself and that all of you ask yourself, whether you're aware of it or not. Um, What do you trust in and what is your mission? Those two questions. What do you trust in? What what is your mission? Another way to say it is, um, what do you rely on and what do you live for? Or another way to say it is, uh, what makes you happy and what, what do you talk about? Those are my ways of framing that. So, what, what do you trust in and what is your mission? The questions are related. Um, what you trust in will determine what your mission is. Um, and your mission reinforces what you trust in. And that's kind of what I'm going to get at tonight. Nominalism is when nominalism is is when what you say you trust in is not lived out in your mission. Right? It's when your beliefs and your actions don't line up. That's what we call uh, nominalism. So a Jew who eats bacon, we would call a nominal Jew, right? Because who he says he is and his life don't correlate. Um, He's one by name, but not by life. Um, Your actions reinforce who you are, who you say you are. And if what you claim to be isn't actually who you are, um, your, your actions clarify that in time. So if someone says they're one thing, and they're actually not, their actions will usually expose them at some point, right? I think we've all experienced that. Um, and kind of a segue, a Christian who does not evangelize, I would say, falls close to the category of nominal Christian because the mission isn't lining up with the identity claim of Christian. Now, I understand these things are complex, right? It's, it's easier to state who you are than to live it out, right? So it, that's complex. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to say, I trust Jesus with my finances than it is to actually give from your poverty to the poor. You know, it's, it's harder to live out uh, who you say you are or who, who you are. And yet, I think we would all say that those who are most mature are the people who live out the beliefs, right? Those are usually, I think we would think of those as the mature people. When you live out your beliefs, it strengthens your beliefs. And when it comes to evangelizing, I have found that almost nothing has matured me in my faith, in my identity, in my Christianity, then evangelize it. I would say um, preaching, being in the Word every day, the local church, and evangelism are the four things that have matured me the most in my Christian walk. Um, I have found that when I evangelize, I mature in my faith. When when you verbally give confession to Jesus um, and and you're persecuted 
it internalizes the truths. It reinforces the truths that you believe. Um, and this goes along with our theme, joy in God through loving and serving others. When you live out on mission, it reinforces and serves your joy in God. It fills it up. And so, um, that's the emphasis. Our mission, the church's mission of evangelizing, is a mission of joy that results in God's joy, your joy, and all of heaven's joy. So on that note, let's turn to Luke 15. That's kind of my segue to the parable of the lost sheep. If you haven't read it, you've probably heard it in the song. The love of God song, what's that called? The never end. Leaves the 99. Oh, thank you. Luke 15. I have it here. All right, Luke 15, 1 to 7. All right, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawn near to him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep... If he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons. Need no repentance. So, someone help me out. Who are some characters in this parable? Start listening. The shepherd. Shepherd. Tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors and sinners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sheep. Sheep. Pharisees. Shepherd's friends. Yeah. Good. Shepherd's friends. Scribes. Scribes. Anyone else? The people that enjoy in heaven. Yeah, people in heaven, whoever those are, right? Mm -hmm. The joy in heaven. Yeah, good. Yeah. So it's good just to note those having in mind. Um, so this parable opens, and uh, the first thing you notice is that sinners are drawn to Jesus, right? No mm -hmm. surprise. We love this. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus shows up, and sinners, he's always eating with sinners. Um, John 5, or Luke 5, sorry, he's eating with uh, uh, Levi, Matthew, tax collector, the sinner. And uh, Luke 19, Zacchaeus, because goes to Zacchaeus' house, has a feast. Uh, Jesus eats with sinners, and it says, the sinners were all drawing near to Jesus to hear him. Isn't that awesome? Um, so we notice that sinners are drawn near to him, and then you have the Pharisees' reaction to the sinners coming to Jesus. What do they do? Grumble. And grumble. Uh, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Uh, they don't think Jesus should be eating with sinners. The eating is fellowship. It's receiving. It's community. It's um, And you can't do that 
as a Jew, as a righteous person, you can't do that with sinners. Like, what, what are you doing? Um, and so that, that's their grumbling. And the Pharisees grumble three times in the Gospel of Luke. And they're all three times the ones I just mentioned. Levi at the beginning, Luke 5, when they're having the meal. Here, Luke 15, when there's the meal. And then in Luke 19 with Zacchaeus. Um, all three times, Jesus is eating with sinners, and the Pharisees are grumbling at Jesus eating with sinners. Uh, I have to bring this up because I think this is awesome. In chapter 7, Jesus gives an interesting rebuke to the Pharisees. Um, they're, they're, they're having a problem with Jesus, and he goes, you know what? John the Baptist came, and he didn't eat and drink, and you guys said he was demon-possessed. And I come eating and drinking, and you say, I'm a glutton and a drunk, and I eat with sinners. And his point is, it doesn't matter what we do, you're going to reject the prophets. And then he goes on to say, he says, you're like kids who play together. When one group says, let's play and sing happy songs, and the other group goes, no, we don't want to do that. Let's play and sing sad songs, and the other group goes, no, we don't want to do that. It's, that's how you are when the prophets show up. It doesn't matter what they do, you're just going to buck against them. That's what type of people you are. And then he, he, he ends that combo by saying, wisdom is justified by your children. And his point there is, I'm going to eat with sinners. And let's see if this is actually wise of me to do or not. Wisdom is justified by our children. Let's see what kind of fruit comes from this. And that's kind of his rebuke against the Pharisees in chapter 7. So when we get to 15, this isn't new. This is, this is coming up. Jesus has addressed them. Um, chapter 7 really exposes them. And uh, I think that story is uh, pretty cool. So, so the sinners come to Jesus. The Pharisees are grumbling, and Jesus goes, all right, let me tell you a parable. Let me, let me explain to you. Let me show you. And um, Jesus unpacks three parables in response to the Pharisees grumbling. <clears throat> um, so today we're looking at this one, 15. And then the next two parables, same thing. So, And one thing you'll want to do as you read the Bible is you're going to want to look at these parables together and compare them. So the one today, you have a lost sheep. The next one's a lost coin. The next one's a lost son. Um, today is a shepherd. The next one is a woman. The next one is a father. Each one of them have lose these things. The first one talks about joy in heaven. The next one talks about joy of angels. The next one talks about joy of God. Um, one of a hundred loses one of 10 coins and loses one of two sons. And then you have the same pattern of lost, found, and joy. So these three parables are, are Jesus' response to uh, the grumbling Pharisees. And so as you read the Bible, you want to you know, sit down and think through why does he tell different stories? Why does he use different characters? Are there progressions? You know, you'll, you'll wanna, um, it's a great study to just spend some time on these three uh, parables. Um, and so this is today's, and we're just going to focus on that one. Um, some context. Um, when you read the Gospels, you're, you're going to hear echoes of Israel's history. Okay, because you're reading. You're, and, and you want to be thinking about that. And here, I mean, people are going to hear different, you know, they're going to say, I think it sounds like this, or I think it sounds like this, and I'm going to give you one. 
I think this sounds like the Israelites grumbling about the manna and wanting to go back to Egypt and exile. Um, I think I think that Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the bread from heaven, John says. And he's come, and you see him here eating with sinners. And the Pharisees who represent, you know, the leaders of Israel are grumbling that they don't want this bread. They're frustrated with Jesus. They would rather Jesus leave. They'd rather stay in exile. Um, so I think so. there's some backdrops of Exodus here, but that's just some contextual. Um, but it will shape, I think, how I interpret some things here. So I wanted to put that up, up front. Um, and so those are some just contextual notes about this parable. And so let's dig in, and let's focus first on Jesus uh, as the shepherd. Jesus as the shepherd. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give you guys um, what I think the characters represent. So Jesus tells a story of characters, and and it's pointing you to something, you know? So I think the shepherd refers to leaders and teachers of Israel, and we're going to get there in a second. Um, in the Old Testament, you're reminded of Moses and David, who are shepherds, leaders of Israel. And the Pharisees and scribes are supposed to be filling this role. They're supposed to be the leaders, the shepherds, and the teachers of Israel. Um, and this parable is going to contrast the Pharisees' shepherding with Jesus' is shepherding. And it's going to expose their shepherding and um, show how Jesus is the good shepherd. The lost. So you have a sheep who's lost. Who's the lost? And I think it means an unrepentant sinner. Because at the end, it says, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And so I think that's what it means to be lost. Um, the unrepentant sinner. And what it means to be found is repentance. Jesus says found the person. Um, and in this case, it's uh, the sinners and tax collectors that Jesus is eating with. I think that corresponds with them. Um, the sheep, um, yeah, I think the sheep are the sheep of Israel. Uh, the, the shepherd is supposed to be the teacher of Israel, and the sheep um, are Israel. And the leaders of Israel were supposed to shepherd the sheep. And yet, they have done a bad job, and I think Israel is suffering because of it. And Jesus is there um, as the good shepherd to restore Israel. And I think when Jesus comes, he expands it to include Gentiles. So it's not just the sheep of Israel, but um, all the elect of God. He says in John, Jesus says that, uh, I have sheep who are not of this fold. I think that means that he's come not just for Israel, but for the Gentiles, for everyone to include them in the fold. Um, And so I I think when I look at this, I come up with who are the sheep, they're the elect, whom the Father has given to Jesus. Um, And so that's the the sheep. So now let's look at Jesus the shepherd. This is a passage from Ezekiel. And this is going to explain why I think shepherd means leader, teacher of Israel. This is a prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. And and I've highlighted language that's really similar to the parable to show kind of the connection. 
Um, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the stray you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or seek for them. You see the common language? And so the shepherd of Israel is the leader and teacher of Israel. Um, the prophets. And, um, and I think Jesus has this in mind when he gives this parable. Um, and I think this is meant to undercut the Pharisees' leadership. Um, not only is Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd, but he's saying, you're this kind of shepherd. Like, because you're grumbling. I'm eating with the sinners and tax collectors. They're drawn to me. I'm bringing them in. And you're grumbling. You're like this. You're feeding yourselves. And you're not um, bringing in the lost sheep. So I think that there is a contrast here to expose the Pharisees and to lift up Jesus as the good shepherd of the sheep. And what does it mean to be the good shepherd? I think it looks like Jesus pursuing the lost sheep by becoming a man on earth, right? He, become, he comes in direct contact with sinners, the lost sheep. God sends Jesus on mission to the lost sheep. And this is in direct contrast to the history of the Jewish leaders like the Pharisees. And so that's what I want to emphasize here. Jesus has come on a mission for the lost sheep. He's the good shepherd of the sheep. And um, so this says a lot about Jesus, and we can uh, lift him up in this passage. And so now I want to talk about uh, Jesus on a mission. And just list some verses that highlight this. Um, Jesus on mission sent by God. Jesus says in John 7, I know him, for I come from him, from God, and he sent me. So God has sent Jesus, right? Again, John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I'm here. I'm not of my own accord, but he sent me. So God has sent Jesus on mission. And what is his mission? Sent for sinners. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is Jesus' mission. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. These are both, remember this is, um, this is with Levi, the same context where there's grumbling. Jesus gives that statement. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And then Luke 19, Zacchaeus, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Um, and in Matthew 18, uh, this is the same parable in Matthew, and it ends with this quote. 
And it's not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So this summarizes Jesus' mission. Sent by God, sent to bring in the lost and the sinners. Jesus' mission. Isn't that beautiful? Spurgeon says that any of us should be willing to seek after the lost is nothing wonderful. They are of our own race. But that he, the offended God, against him the transgression has been committed, should take upon himself the form of a servant and bear the sin of many, and should then be willing to receive the vilest of the vile. This is marvelous. That was a good quote. Uh, John ten fourteen, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. So before we go any further, the emphasis here, the emphasis in the parable, is that Jesus is the good shepherd that has come, sent from God, to seek and to save the lost. He's come to lay down his life for the sheep and to bring the sheep, the lost sheep, back. And so, the emphasis on Jesus is, as the good shepherd, on mission. The next thing to highlight in this parable is joy. Joy and value. Um, maybe we can just talk about who, who's rejoicing in this parable? The shepherd when he finds the lost sheep. Good. So the, she the shepherd rejoices first. Who's the shepherd? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Yeah, so Jesus' joy in finding the sheep. Yeah. And then what happened? Then what? His friends and neighbors. Yeah, he calls calls people, rejoice with me, the sheep has been found. And then? Yeah. More joy in heaven, everyone who sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. So it begins with Jesus. Uh, Jesus' joy over the sheep. And then Jesus calls friends and neighbors, and I don't know who these are, um, those around, I kind of start to see myself included in this though I'm not exactly sure what the referent is. And he calls his friends and neighbors to rejoice. And then he says that all of heaven should rejoice. Joy, 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 what the Pharisees couldn't do, right? The Pharisees couldn't do that. They, they grumbled, there was a grumbling when the sinners uh, were brought to Jesus. They should be rejoicing with Jesus and joining the feast. And instead, they see the fellowship of sinners and grumble at the fellowship. In contrast, God is a God of mission, of joy. Um, and I think that's just a healthy thing to meditate on, that Jesus, it is Jesus' great joy to spend himself for the sheep, for the sake of salvation, even if it costs him his life. It is his joy to do it. Um, God's mission does not function as... In, obligatory task but it's a mission of his pleasure and seeing sinners restored to the table of God Sinner, sinners restored to the fellowship table of God just like in Eden they ate with God now God is bringing people back to fellowship at the table with him the message of repentance is a message of welcoming sinners to the table welcoming sinners to fellowship with God, no matter how sinful they are. Um, the Pharisees don't get this. They're, they're religious policemen. They, 
They infract people. They imprison people. Uh, they lay heavy burdens. The Bible says they won't lift a finger off people. And while Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary, I'll give you rest. Very different ways of shepherding, right? They are joyless. But sinners are drawn to Jesus because it's a message of repentance, forgiveness, and joy. And it reminds me of Luke 2. Uh, behold, I bring you great, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this, this day is born in the city of David, Christ, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so we see the joy of God's mission. It's a mission of joy. And then we see in it the value. I think, I think it's worth noting. Um, he's going to leave the 99 for the, the lost sheep. And I think it can be worth noting here that it doesn't matter how many people are in God's fold. Um, the, the salvation of even one lost sheep is of incredible value to God and to the whole heavens, right? One lost sinner repenting has the heavens rejoicing, has Jesus rejoicing. So there's something of value put there. No matter how many sheep, I don't think the point of the parable is to bash the 99. The point is to expose how God views the lost sheep. And this parable helps us to see that there's value in the lost sheep. So God rejoices. He's the Father who rejoices over the lost sheep. So your salvation caused joy of God, joy of Jesus, joy of the heavens, uh, because God values and God's on a mission uh, of pleasure to save you. Isn't that amazing? It's so beautiful. Now, um, we're coming to the end. How does Jesus continue his mission? How does he continue his mission? And my answer is that he continues it through the church, through us. The mission of the church. Uh, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So Jesus will lead, send the Spirit, church goes on mission, right? Uh, the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you always. To the page. And then this one's clear. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so here I want to emphasize that Jesus' mission, and here's what I'm going to bring us in, has been given to us. We have been ushered to continue Christ's mission of inviting the nations to the fellowship table of God. Um, the church, yeah, the church bears witness. And I want to emphasize here that the church is missional by nature. Like part of what it means to be the church is to be on mission. 
So evangelism and outreach flow out of what it even means to be a Christian. Right? Because you've been brought in, and God is sending you through the Spirit to continue that witnessing to Jesus' mission. So this shifts the emphasis of personal evangelism from being merely a task for individuals to be a part of, to being part of the very nature of the church itself. To be part of the church is to be an evangelizer. It's to be a body who witnesses to Christ. The church can't do it the same way Christ did, but the church does continue the mission in the way Christ has told us to, which is to bear witness to the name of Jesus, to invite people to fellowship with God um, by pointing to the, the cross. So I want to emphasize that the church, that we are missional by nature. Evangelism is who we are. It's what we do as Christians, as the church. And so I want to emphasize uh, that. Um, don't miss out on the joy of the heavens. God calls, uh, I think I can say, Christians to look and to rejoice, a spectating joy at what he's doing. Don't miss out on the joy. This parable is about contrasting the grumbling and the rejoicing. We continue God's mission. It's our joy to welcome sinners to the table that we've been brought into by Jesus. We don't grumble about the sin in the world. We are brokenhearted, and we are in the world as light to Christ. And we winsomely and with joy call sinners to repentance, where all of heaven rejoices. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his own, his own know him, just as the Father knows Jesus, and Jesus knows the Father, and he lays down his life for the sheep, John 10, 14-15. So that's my encouragement to, um, number one, see the great shepherd of the sheep who has come to lay down his life for the sheep, and then recognize who you are. Um, you believe in Jesus, that's what you trust in, and you're on mission, sent by Jesus to go into the world and bear mission. And we're working to bring those together in, in unity in the Christian life. Thank you for listening to this message from the Young Adult Ministry at the North Church. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but do not charge for the copies or alter the content in any way without express written permission from the North Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at thenorthchurch.com slash young dash adults.